Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and cool, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode of the show, where tonight we're going to be talking about the Dean's film pick of the week, Blood Quantum, from 2019, and directed by Jeff Barnaby. Uh, Full of Zeds in this one, you guys, so you know how much I love my fast-moving zombies. But uh, we're going to be talking about that later on in the show with the Dean when he shows up in just a few minutes. But as always, I am joined by the bold and the beautiful, the Gulfgate Keith. Wait, you mean the movie wasn't blood clotting? It was blood quantum? No, I told you it wasn't blood clotting. I know. I told you blood clotting is a good movie, but it's not this movie. Oh, it was freaking weird, man. I had no idea that there were so many moving parts in those locations. But, yeah, I mean, that sure was something. But for everybody else, what is <laughs> going on tonight? So happy to have you guys back here for another episode of the show. As you guys know, the Mad Monkey, he is off until August. He's off and doing a bunch of wild and crazy things as only he can do. So, like I said, Dean will be here in a few minutes. But I know that the Loki season finale happened today or series finale happened today. Do you have any spoiler-free thoughts on it, even though the Mad Monkey's not here? I figure you might want to chat that up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, listen, it was a, uh, I found the season to be fun, frantic, uh, had all the best makings of, like, Doctor Who-esque level mm-hmm. enjoyment uh, when it was at its peak. Um, the finale, while enjoyable, did have some unexpected results, um, obviously, mm-hmm. one of which which I know you guys uh, at the Monkey might even have said it. He, was, he might have been the one to say it. The, uh, the show has been picked up for another season. Um, that, yes, that's right. to me, was an unexpected thing to happen, as I kind of thought that they were going the route of, like, non-continuous storylines as far as these, these Marvel series on Disney+. Plus. Um, I thought they were going to keep this like to limited series type of runs with comic books with the main time, you know, or whatever the main Mm. overarching storyline being the main MCU with these things being like little sidestep stories. Um, And yeah, I mean, obviously we're going to be looking at a, uh, a continued season. So, which uh, as long as it comes fast enough, I guess I'm happy with that, but you know, I don't know. What are we going to see? Something four years down the road, five years down the road, two years down the road, next year? Who knows? I don't know. They've got a lot of shit on their plate, a lot of catching up. I also saw freaking uh, Black Widow this week as well. So, so this, it's, it's been a week of Marvel madness. Well, that's always good. And plus, you know, uh, Black Widow kind of closing out things so they could start up the new thing. And we also got the uh, kind of, I guess, introduction to Deadpool and to the MCU with a uh, commentary on Free Guy, the new Ryan Reynolds uh, film, with uh, Korg from uh, Thor. So I thought that was kind of fun, 
you know, little Ryan Reynolds getting back into it. Like, I know you said in the group chat, like, you know, kind of felt forced, but I thought that was kind of the point, that Deadpool doesn't want to fucking talk about it. He just wants to be in the MCU universe, and he's got to fucking talk about a, a movie that he's not a part of, even though Korg's already in, and that's why he's like, what the, you're in? Like, how do I get in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah, a, I enjoy uh, it. It was a fun little spot. And, I mean, again, Ryan Reynolds, yeah. I, I enjoy him, man. He he does. He makes me mm-hmm. giggle ever since Van Wilder, uh, which was my introduction <laughs> to him. Uh, you know, the, that character alone won that man a, a lifetime of, uh, of appreciation for me. Uh, so the fact that he's also had other fantastic films, you know, that, that have – varying levels of fun and hilarity to them uh, just makes me appreciate him more, and Deadpool especially, because, you know, he brought a character to life that I really thought was never going to happen with no, you know, with nobody being able to pull it off, um, and he did it. Uh, that being said, we still don't know what Disney wants to, to kind of do, how they're going to do it, what they're going to do. I know they're saying they won't neuter it, but, you know, saying that versus – knowing that this character, regardless of his R-rated status within the, uh, the greater movie universe, is also universally known, beloved, kids like him. And, you know, we know that Disney, you know, obviously they're, they're, they're kid-targeted. So, you know, I just can't see them not garnering enough complaints from the parental end of things, and even though I... Personally, me, I can't see any of those parents really detaching their children from fucking Disney long enough. You know, even if at first it's like a Karen moment where they rage out and they say, oh, you, Sonny, you're never watching fucking Disney again. I bet you a month later that kid's watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse or whatever fucking shit he's got going on. Um, But, you know, obviously they don't like that hubbub. They don't want those complaints. They don't want to hear that kind of shit. So will Ryan Reynolds and Deadpool be neutered in Disney's world? I don't know. We'll find out. I hope we will find out, but, but you know, yeah, I, the world. No, but still, you kind of hope for that that rated R, you know, which we will get. But speaking of universally known, the demonic dean, everybody, welcome to the show. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. What is going to happen? What is going to happen to Deadpool? Is he going to be neutered? Uh, what is Disney going to do? Um, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, it's a concern. To his that us comic fans have. It's very concerning. Yeah. Very concerning. Yes. Welcome. Like yesterday's circumstances. Welcome. Concerning. Yeah, you know. Yes. Just, you concerning. Don't want to see that glorious dick get cut off. No. No neutering. No neutering at Deadpool. Wade Wilson has got to be safe. But yes, anyway, so welcome yeah, to the show. I know we have your movie to talk about. Please, now, so. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. And yes, please, can we please, let's just take a moment and, and just leave Deadpool the way he is. It's so very important to his fan base um, that's her. To mess with the winning formula now um, might not be the, the wisest choice. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Spoken but, uh, like a true you know. So, so hold on real quick. I, uh, I know I just went on this yeah. big fucking long rambling thing, but I do have something <laughs> close to my heart that I do actually want to really discuss. Oh. It's really important, man. Um, of course. I, you know, I don't know where people that listen to the show are necessarily listening from. I don't know if you're New Jersey, if you're PA, if you're all over the Pennsylvania, world. You know, I mean, obviously, yes, there's people all over the world. But regardless of that, you know, right now, one of like my personal favorites, you know, something I've brought up on this show time and time and time again, one of 
my favorite personal places to go, and it is so cool if you're a movie lover, if you're a horror lover especially. Like, they do events like none other. The Mahoning Drive-In is in big trouble. Um, it's not a financial thing or anything like that. In this particular case, the person that owns the land has out of nowhere – uh, decided to sell it to a solar company um, who now want to demolish and flatten that entire location to build solar panel farms. Um, I don't know what you grow from solar panel farms, but I don't know. I kind of like trees and, and green shit more than reflective fucking solar panels, but I, <laughs> I know it's, it's helping the environment. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for that whole thing, but it's just kind of questionable. Sure. It's fucking weird. Um, but regardless, again, they are looking to flatten this place. They're going to tear down the screen, all of the great shit, all the great memories that people can have at that spot. Um, mm-hmm. Again, take a look at Save Mahoning Drive-In on Facebook. Um, I know if you look up the Mahoning Drive-In, their Twitter, uh, they're on Facebook, they're on Instagram. Just look them up, see if there's anything that you can do or think of or say to, to somebody that, you know, just spread the freaking word, share it. Um, they're having some kind of, like, major meeting in the area on uh, August 3rd, uh, in which I guess, you know, they're, they're hoping to get people down there so that, you know, possibly to the zoning board, they can find a way to get a variance and get this kind of, this spot saved. Again, anybody knows anything, just check them out, give them a ring, give them a message, send them a DM, whatever you do. Don't send them dick pics, even though I'm sure plenty of people will. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> our, our, people yeah. that listen to our show, so it wouldn't surprise me. I swear it wasn't no. Um, but, again, like, again, any, any way to do it. We love the place, and as always, I was, you know, hopefully they stay open and other people are going to get the chance to experience what the Mahoning Drive-In is and does and does it magnificently. Thank you. Sorry, sorry yeah. for again. I'll shut up for a little while. No. You two. <laughs> it's important. It's a big deal, and I know that Very. Joe Bob Riggs is going to be there, I think, tomorrow, So, and Wood Kaufman showing his support, so a lot of people are coming out. Uh, damn the man, save the Mahonic. You know, make Fuck this yeah. thing happen. We got to save the drive-ins. So I'm I'm behind it 100. percent So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. And they've they've been in business since 1947, man. They've been there a long time. And again, I know there are you know other drive-ins operating in places now. And you know all of those drive-ins, they they do things that. You know, you, you can get at a typical theater, you know, as far as movie fare goes. Mahoning has always stuck to their guns with 35-millimeter prints. You weren't mm-hmm. seeing the latest, greatest Avengers movie. No, you were seeing classic horror films or, you know, other types of themed the weekends. Or like the special event we just went to with the never-ending story. Yeah. Um, you know, with Noah Hathaway there. They've hosted trauma events, VHS fests. In Camp Blood with Friday the 13th movies and other things like that. Again, if you love horror, you love movies, then you love the Mahoning Drive-In, you just didn't know it yet. <laughs> that is a beautiful way to put it. <clears throat> Couldn't have said it better myself. The ghoul is but with that being said, very, very passionate. Yeah. So very passionate. And I love it. You know, you got to love the passion. You're narrating my driving. life, man? Are you God? <laughs> no. <laughs> No, well, he's not. He's the dean. Perhaps. 
even you. <laughs> but, um, Dean, so you're here. What do you have for horror news tonight? What are we talking about? Oh, so many things. So many. To, 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 to get rolling right into the program, uh, the new directors were the directors rolling with the of the upcoming Scream film uh, want us to know that even with the secret scripts and red herrings on set to keep the cast in the dark about things, uh, they want us to know that the film is complete. Uh, the Scream, uh, Scream 5 is in the can and ready for its January 14, 2022 release date. Uh, it is finished. So if that is something that you've been looking forward to and waiting for, um, you know, you can take comfort in knowing that, um, you know, they, they, they did their jobs and, uh, you know, you're just, you're just a mere uh, six months away from getting the opportunity to, to see this film. So Scream 5. Is, is complete. Judy. All right. Can't wait. Can't wait, January. Stay tuned for more. Going to see some posters coming out soon, I'm yes. sure. Maybe some teasers, you know. So I'd expect October. Probably going to see them cranking out for the Halloween season. See. Uh, there was, they did announce, uh, or they did put, put out an, an image uh, that had, that featured, um, you know, the ghost face uh, killer, uh, you know, from like shoulders up, and like here's the image of the new Ghostface. But you know, if, if we're being critical, uh, it didn't really look any different than any other Ghostface. So, um, nope. you know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. He's right. It just it's the Ghostface mask. No, <laughs> that's all it was though. That's also like when they kind of said they were changing it for the television series, and that still kind of just looked like the Ghostface mask. No, not the first season. That they definitely didn't change it for the first season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they brought it back to Resurrection. But that, that, the, the first original one, that had like that ball gag type face with the big open mouth and the eyes. So it looked like a BDSM mask more than the, the, uh, the ghost face. But they brought it back to Resurrection. That would have been a much more interesting story. But, hey, we didn't get that for, screen, for MTV. But anyway, so, yeah, we'll see. Scream. That's right. It had more of that. Uh, I forgot. It had more of that like ghoulish look, where it was like uh, mm-hmm. almost like a melted white whitish looking face. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Not bad. It's been a while. And it had straps and nothing like that. Though. Oh yeah, I never forgot it. Still haunts me. We all love straps. Oh, I love my straps. So I know as far Hell as yeah. stream goes, you know the January release window is you know within their typical frame of release. You know, I guess the, the original mm-hmm. was released in December, so was the sequel. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, and I think the other ones were like in, by the spring, say like, you know, March or so. Um, so keeping with January, you know, I always, I don't know, it's a weird one. I mean, obviously it's Scream 5, I'm going to watch it. How I'm going to watch it, I don't know. Um, like I thought I was going to go to the theaters for Black Widow, I ended up not. I paid the thirty bucks to Disney Plus and just freaking watched Will it on my giant TV. On a train? Um, Will you watch it on a plane? Oh, 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 I watched it with a frame. Um, <laughs> how was I to say? Jeez, you totally like made my brain go away. 
January release dates, man. January and February release dates are always, for me, there's, oh, there are always movies I just never see. Um, yeah. You know, it's, just, it's that, that weird window where I'm just not, I guess the holidays are done, so the last thing I'm thinking about is watching movies. Yeah, and there's well, another thing to consider, too. January uh, is usually considered, like, the dumping ground for studios to just talk Jump. off whatever... Uh, you know, whatever yeah. they have no hopes for. And look, this is this right. film is a long ways away. I'm, I'm not saying that this is a, a dumping ground film, but like when you say, oh, uh, uh, January, it's because they're not releasing, uh, like all the good shit's been released, you know? Um, <laughs> From the dump. It is. It's, it's traditionally known as like a dumping ground uh, to studios to hope to recoup something on their investment uh, with, 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 when they know they have shitty stinkers on their hands. Yeah, that's and that's why, like, that's the worst. you can't really pay attention to uh, the box office either, because I remember when Texas Chainsaw 3D came out, that was number one at the box office. Was it a good movie? No, but there was nothing really else out. So, of course, it's going to be number one at mm-hmm. the box office, because there's nothing else releasing. So that's why you see a lot of Final Destinations, when they were coming out, those are a lot of January releases. The studio didn't and, have and any hope for it, so just a fucking... And, yeah, you hope you get, yeah. like, a, a jewel in that pile of mm-hmm. shit, you know what I mean? And you know you kind of yeah. have an established base because horror fans come out no matter what. You know, there, there, there's uh-huh. always going to be, you know, some freaking dork like me or you or whatever who's going to be like, oh, I'm totally going to go see Scream 5 in January. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I, I got my ticket. <laughs> you know, okay. Yeah, the, I hate the franchise. I think they went in all the wrong directions, but fuck yeah, I got my ticket already. That's why I've been since part two. Yeah, I fucking you know, hated part four, but you better play I was in the theater. <laughs> I, uh, I'm sitting here, you know, not to, you know, not to cover ground that's already been covered, but I did happen to be looking at the Mahoney Drive-In uh, schedule uh, that they have. And uh, yeah. we got some good shit going on, then. Mm-hmm. We got some good shit oh, here. Oh, they're quality. I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, again, you know, like, their, their, their runs are always fantastic. But, again, I also don't know right now if any of those dates are still valid as far as upcoming shows. I don't know what the closure time frame is here. Um, they, they haven't said sure. anything as far as what I've seen on the page or, or from any videos. I mean, all they've told, you know, they've spoken about you know, getting ready to fight this, um, but that's, that's mm-hmm. pretty much the extent of it because this was a shock for them. Sure. You know, they, they were yeah. not told yeah, ahead of time. They weren't even told by the people. They literally got a fucking flyer in the mail talking about it, and that's how they found out about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just going. I'm just going by what they have on their on their website. Um, you know, mm-hmm. again, like the Gould just said, whether that stands, uh, who knows? But uh, you know, based on uh, what they got going on here on the website, uh, you know, this sounds like like some super fun shit. Like uh, Christmas in July, July 23rd and 24th, they got Silent Night, Deadly Night, and Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, uh, which is pretty nice. cool. Um, see that shit on the big screen. Um, yeah, it's nice. They got a a, a Schlockorama 5. Uh, favorite Schlockmeister William Castle will be debuting, well, not debuting, but showing five shocking motion pictures. Uh, and uh, they'll be showing Freaks, fucking awesome. Uh, mm, Glenn or Glenda, one, yeah. The Woman Eater, Macabre, The Tingler, 
13 Ghosts, the original Mr. Sardonicus, uh, 1953 War of the Worlds, 1956 Invasion of the Body Snatchers, pretty cool. August 3rd, wow. The Wizard of Gore. Um, oh, love it. For me, wow, oh, fuck, for me, I would totally be here for this. August 10th, uh, fucking old action film, uh, Rolling Thunder. Um, oh, I love that movie. Pretty fucking fuck sweet. Yeah, uh huh. Oh, man. Uh, that's one of my cool. favorites. And, yeah, totally, with, uh, what's his name? Oh, William Devane. William Devane and, uh, and yeah. Tommy Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. And, um, yeah. and uh, William, William Let Them Play Devane. And then also mm-hmm. uh, on a, a two-night uh, babysitter double feature, uh, Keith Coogan appearing for screenings of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Adventures in Babysitting for two nights. Um, I think All that's right. pretty fucking cool. So, uh, there's other stuff too, but as I looked, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know. Like I've been told the tales uh, that the ghoul has shared about his visits, uh, but I didn't realize to what extent, uh, they had, um, this kind of shit happening. So pretty cool stuff. And again, man, you know what I mean? It's a safe environment. You know, you're out there, you got all these other fans, all these other people that all are of the same mindset, man. You know, you, people are, are, are having a good time without going over the top or getting sloppy or anything. Like, there's been, you know, at the, at the end of the night, you know, because you can still camp there. So people know that they're okay. They're not going to be driving drunk, you know, or, or heading home like we would be heading home. on a two-hour two drive home or to whatever hotel. You know, you, you, you hook it up. You have a great time. You know, we've had plenty of good times where at the, you know, at the end of the night when everything's done, they just have a, a nice freaking fire burning in a barrel, man, and everybody just starts chatting and chilling together and everything. It's so such an awesome community, and it's it's heartbreaking to to to, to just to even fathom this, you know. Like it's one of those things that you yeah. read in the paper somewhere about like another location, and and you see somebody like in that news like news article, and they're talking about it, right? And you can see that that person like has like whatever passion they have for it, but you don't feel it because it's not you. Like this is like, you know, this is something that's really so close to my heart that I'm like, I really feel this and it fucking sucks, man. I really hope they can fix this in some way. Save it, man. Just hope yeah, they man. can make it happen. Uh, it sounds, that it sounds like the plot of a, sounds like a, the plot of a mid to late eighties, uh, film featuring a group of ragtag kids that need to band together to, to save the day. Yeah, man. Like youth-friendly, early market type of deal, man. You know, like like that, or it could also be like you know the the, the plot to some schlocky horror flick as well, where it can just all be taking a turn and there's like you know evil people out of like street trash trying to like you know just destroy massive like you know yeah. big corporate CEO bad guys and shit. Well, hey, as like, long as you can get Walter Matthau to play the guy shit. that owns the place, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, just get Walter Matthau to play the owner of the Mahoning Drive-In, I'm in. And then Jack Lemmon to play the fucking guy trying yeah. to tear it down. Fuck and yeah, a fly dude. viper, baby. Can't get enough of that street trash. All right, so moving on. What else do you have, Dean? So, the Epics family of networks have announced... Uh, the release date, uh, August 22nd, 10-episode series uh, that's being titled Chapel Wait. Uh This is based on 
the 1978 Stephen King story, Jerusalem's Lot. Uh, so Jerusalem's Lot getting the episodic uh, season, seasonal series treatment uh, with a 10-episode series. So if you are one out there who's been keeping pace with the endless array of Stephen King adaptations that have been coming and continue to come, uh, here's another one for you. Uh, to load up into the queue. So August 22nd, uh, yet another Stephen King adaptation because it seems that people will not rest until um, every single word uh, that Stephen King has written uh, gets sent to the small or the big or the streaming screen. Yeah, I feel like they're getting close. He's got to keep cranking them out. They kind of want to keep making more movies. Because now they're just retreading old stuff, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll check it out. I mean, I'll watch anything King-related, so. I mean, plus, you got the whole Pets, uh, Pet Cemetery prequel that's still happening at the Paramount Plus that's been hard work casting, so. Yes, Are you a King yes. fan? Hey, stick around for that. Um, for the Pet Cemetery prequel that's coming your way, I know everyone is so excited. Um, yeah, apparently they uh, cast a young Judd Crandall, so we're definitely getting a prequel. I just don't think you're going to do any better than Fred Gwynn. That's it. That's like Freddy Krueger. You can't do another one. Well, we shall see, King. We shall see. Uh, You don't want to go down that road. A story that might be of interest to the King of Horror, because we know he loves uh, gut-ripping terror and unstoppable horror, as well as Victor Crowley, uh, the King of Horror. Victor Crowley that Victor Crowley is back, and this time he is coming in a one-shot comic uh, simply titled Adam Green's Hatchet, Unstoppable Horror. And this comic book is going to feature three tales of gut-ripping terror. Uh, It was recently released just a few days ago on July 7th, and uh, this comic is clocking it at, 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 a, at, a, at a very short 32 pages. Uh, but in those pages, you will find three short tales of gut-ripping horror or gut-ripping terror uh, involving Victor Crowley. So if you just cannot get enough and you feel the need uh, to continue uh, alongside of Victor Crowley, uh, you will have another chance uh in print until maybe we see him again in the screen. Where are you dragging the body, bro? Um, that's kind of cool. You know, I was, you know what? I was about to start talking during the freaking, uh, during the Stephen King portion, man. So I don't mean to jump back. I just, I didn't realize I was muted. So like, you know, like I spoke for like two sentences and then realized you guys couldn't hear me. Um, yeah, you know, the one thing with Jerusalem's lot, like, um, have either of you guys watched the original miniseries? Yeah. Negative. Okay. So, so for me, King, like, I, I never, I, like, I don't know if they've done any adaptations after that, but, like, as a kid, that was, like, one of my early intros to horror. Specifically, I remember it because the image of the kid floating outside the window was, like, indelibly seared, like, into my, like, my mind as oh, far as, yeah. that, like, you know, like, horrific type of... Because it just it felt so fucking scary, you know? Like, even though I... Uh, again, I was a little kid at the time, so I guess it was about as real as it can get. Um, 
but I don't know if I've never followed up with anything else if they've ever done any other series or ever put out any other movies for it. Um, so I'm looking forward to this one. I'd like to see what they what they can do with some some, some updated looks and you know like I, I don't remember the story much because I, I know I read the book once, but again that was also a, a long time ago. Well, I mean, they did do a, a 1987 follow-up called Return to Salem's Lot that uh, Larry Cohen directed. I, I think it was one of Terry Reed's films. So, yeah, they did that one. And then they did a remake a couple of years ago on TNT with Rob Lowe and uh, Donald Sutherland, uh, like mm-hmm. mid-2000s. Um, so they, they, they've retreaded it. But this one seems like it's going for the uh, Jerusalem's Lot uh, mini-story. That, I can't remember what uh, short story compilation it was in. But going back to, you know, the town before it was a town, you know, and how it became um, Salem's Lot. And there's also a remake coming out of Salem's Lot itself that was announced last year. So apparently I think Christoph Waltz is attached to it um, to play uh, Straker, the caretaker for Barlow. So we'll have to see what comes of that. But, yeah, I mean, the kid floating in the window, Jeffrey Lewis turning into a vampire, then seeing Barlow as this weird fang demonic fucking looking vampire for a major TV series. <laughs> Creep the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I was like, this is on TV. Like that's David soul from Starkey and Hutch. <laughs> it's not be this fucking scary, but yeah, it was, Toby Hooper know how to make a miniseries. That, that is true. Sorry. You have not seen it, Dean. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll pick it one day. But it's only two parts, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, two parts. Maybe it goes maybe by fast. We will pick it one day, perhaps. Perhaps. But what else perhaps. do you have? Seen? So, so, comic book, Hatchet, Adam Green. Yeah, coming soon. Your fancy king. It does. It tickles my balls in all the right ways. So, definitely have to visit my local comic book shop and see if they have a copy. All right, scoop it up. So. Uh, with all of the excitement surrounding uh, Netflix's Ear Street trilogy, of which I personally am only halfway through the first edition uh, thus far, hmm. um, starting uh, last week on July 9th and continuing through to July 18th, uh, if you happen to be in the Melrose area of West Hollywood, uh, you should stop on by to Fear Street Rentals. Uh, it is free and open to the public. Uh, on the outside, uh, you will be greeted by what appears to be a 1990s-style uh, video rental store storefront. Uh, but if you are to enter this video store storefront, uh, you will excuse me—you will find yourself walking into an immersive experience uh, that will be taking you back in time uh, to bring to life the horrors of Shadyside, uh, 94, 78, and 1666, uh, where you will find uh, many different film-related Easter eggs, uh, exhibits, and more uh, to help flesh out your current Fear Street experience. So, uh, Again, that's limited to the Melrose area of West Hollywood, uh, and that's through uh, July 18th. So just a few more days uh, to, to get the opportunity to experience such uh, magic of the movie. Yeah, it sounds killer. Go check it out, man. Definitely not. Yeah, you should. Report Un- back. Yeah, um, 
if I didn't go to uh, down to that area, which is could, by the map, like a five-ish hour drive, but in mm. California realism, probably more like a seven, six and a half to seven hour drive, uh, which I'm not opposed yeah. to. But if I did not go, if I did not go to the the Universal uh, Hollywood Horror Nights uh, the year before COVID, when they were like recreating like Haddonfield Halloween Fours Haddonfield, I'm certainly not told in the next yeah. three days going to Hollywood for a fucking fear <laughs> So, um, you know, while it sounds great, uh, you know, it's it's not necessarily, uh, you know, for for me uh, this this time around, but. I will. I talked last week about the, and it's coming to New York too, but the New York and San Francisco uh, Stranger Things immersion. Uh, I will, I'm sure, uh, get tickets to check out the San Francisco edition uh, when that, uh, when that, I'm not opposed to the yeah. style of um, extension. It's so funny to me being an East Coaster, right? And like, I know, like, you know, again, you look on a map, you see how big California is. But then when you actually, like, look at road travel times and, like, hearing when you're like, yeah, it's like a five-hour fucking trip. Like, you know, here, like, on the East Coast, everything's so small and close together. Like, a five-hour yeah. trip, either direction will take you probably, like, three states. Um, Easily. You know, it, yeah. cutting, like, you know, northeast, southeast, not direct west, uh, northeast, southwest. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Fucking the western directions, northwest, southwest. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, like I, I, like I think about even like Jersey, you know, like you could pretty much plow through Jersey within like an hour and a half fucking, you know, driving fast enough on the fucking dirt bike. Stop the bike. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's just funny. That's all. But yeah, yeah no, this, this I, I, so I wouldn't take that trip yeah. either, man. More power to you. I know you say you're not opposed to it, but I guess it all depends upon, you know, what it is that you're trekking to. So I guess it's all about the fucking uh, yes. the, the journey and the destination in that specific well, yes. functioning. Very philosophical. Yeah, I mean, if you're a fan, then yeah, check it out. But I wish these things traveled. Like, like not just in Hollywood and stuff like that. I mean, just travel to like like the the Stranger Things thing that the ghoul had said, I mean Dean had said, where New York and San Francisco and, and LA well I wish like Fear Street would travel. Like go to Philly, go to uh, New York, go to Miami, you know. But people that can't get to Burbank and Hollywood, check it out. You know, I mean I'd love I, to see the Fear I, Street I, problem. I hear what you're saying. Fear Street is everywhere. I, I, I hear I hear what you're saying about that, but I like it's Again, I haven't even seen any imagery of this of this experience. I was just reading about it, but I I I'm thinking that like the cost associated with this is like a traveling exhibit uh, might mm. exceed the expected, uh, especially at least in, here in Hollywood, it's free. Um, right. Yeah. I just don't know how how uh, I know Fear Street is all the popularity on Netflix right now, but like it's a sponsor. There's still the third right edition that they're doing there. It's not like yeah, yeah, they're not yeah. charging anybody to go in. That means that it's it's being sponsored. Netflix or whoever is paying for them to to yeah. do that. So you can't afford to do that in too many cities because you got to come up with fucking you know who's going to be your crew? Are you going to have a traveling crew or are you going to have you know satellite crews in different locations? They'll probably look at the popularity of this, and I'm sure whoever whatever studio I guess Netflix owns the rights to to to, to the show or the films. Um, yeah, I'm sure somebody's looking at whatever the metrics are as far as the amount of people going in and if they can make a fucking buck off of anything that would, uh, you know, require traveling and then therefore start, you know, 
throwing down some 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 money for it too. Yeah, I don't see a problem with charging. You know, especially if it's an immersive, like you know, like a like you're going to a video store in the '90s. You know, and you could buy things and look at things. I mean, you know, charge ten, fifteen bucks at the door. You know, if you're that big of a fan, you'll do it. I mean, they gave ninety million dollars to Zack Snyder to make fucking Army of the Dead. You tell me they don't have room in their budget to do something. Greatest you know, zombie film ever. Compared to Blood Quantum? Oh, my God. No, I don't know. Might have some competition. Well, geez, King. He's ripping it up right from the start, man. Hey, I'm teasing you guys. Hey, who knows? I'm going to like this one. (laughs) 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 Uh, This is mystery. (laughs) So what else (laughs) have we got on the docket, Dean? What are the other headlines? Oh, so... uh, Grady Hendrix has written a novel that is called Final Girl Support Group. And mm-hmm, uh, it was released yesterday. It's out there. Yeah. Uh, July 13th mm-hmm. was the release date for the Final Girl Support Group. And in, uh, in this fictional novel, uh, six real-life final girls uh, have been part of a support group uh, so they can rely on each other to, to process the experiences that they had. Uh, and it seems that this uh, support group has been found, and uh, these final girls will once again uh, have to fight to survive. Uh, so uh, with that being said, a, 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 a notation along with this story is that it was announced that uh, none other than one of our famous uh, film Final Girls, uh, Adrian King from Friday the 13th, is going to be doing the narration for the audiobook version of Final Girls Support Group. So uh, if that sounds like something that might interest you, uh, the, the book itself has been released, and Adrian King will be doing the audiobook narration. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'm looking forward to checking out the book. And I already got kicked out of one uh, horror group that I belonged to because I had to correct somebody on uh, that audio book because they were just so excited about it. And they're like, the original Final Girl, the only real Final Girl, Adrian King, narrates this book. And I was like, excuse me, I uh, hate to be this asshole, but I'm going to be. Uh, Olivia Hussey, 1974, Marilyn Burns, 1974, Black Christmas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those were the real two Final Girls if you want to talk about the Golden Age of Slashers. So, unfortunately, Adrian King doesn't hold the candle to those. And I was probably booted from that group. So, <laughs> guess you can't uh, yuck anybody's yum when it comes to them making statements that are not true. Factually inaccurate. Hmm. I will not be missing that group. Uh, I've a lot of people. It well, doesn't broken. surprise me these days, but, you know, it is what it is, man. People are fucking weird. I know it was direction. I mean, you can't say that that's the first final girl. Just not factually accurate. You know, there's, there's yeah, I mean, a bunch of flashes that were made. It's not even necessarily mm-hmm. something that's, like, opinion-based either. You know what I mean? It's kind of – I'm sure there were ones before – those two as well, you know what I mean? I mean, you could probably count any number Plenty. of of female leads in in earlier films that that could be considered final girls. Yeah, Vera Miles in Psycho, nineteen sixty. 
I mean, I think since, I mean, coming from, you know, not a steeped history of, uh, of older film and older horror in general, like, I kind of think Jamie Lee Curtis, but I think Final Girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because, like, I, I didn't see Black Christmas until I was older. Uh, I saw, te- you know what, I saw Texas Chainsaw when I was really young even before Halloween, I believe. You know, I never thought of her as a final girl as much as a lucky-ass fucking survivor. You know, I think final girl, I think somebody that kind of stands up to whoever your your villain is, like, and, and it's not just a matter of being fucking, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I don't think of the, t- the original Texas Chainsaw as, as that kind of film. It's one of those fucking, just how it's, like, etched in my memory. Um yeah, I think Jamie Lee Curtis when I think of first Final Girl. Yeah, I would think that she ushered in what would come, you know, after 78, which is the golden era, 78 to 82. So I would definitely give you credit for that, for her being the one that should be representative of the original Final Girl, at least the prototype of what a Final Girl should be. Because, like, yeah, Marilyn Burns, she is a Final Girl in that movie, but, you know, she doesn't stab Weatherface or attack any people that's attacking her. She just kind of runs. No, she, she gets just the fuck out of the dust. screaming. As in that situation, right. man, you've got a large lumbering fucking man chasing you with a chainsaw. That's just day night for me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean hunting season? My, my bad. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's summer hunting season. Dog will hunt. Dog will hunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but. All right, so what else do you have, Dean? Everybody loves Bruce Campbell. He's just one of everyone's favorites. Um, we know of course. Uh, the King of Horror is a huge fan of Bruce Campbell and probably knows all these things, but I'm going to talk about them anyway. Uh, you should. Bruce Campbell has said that they're currently filming uh, Evil Dead Rise. Uh, he says, first... Uh, you can call it whatever you want. Call it a sequel, call it a reboot, call it a remake, whatever you want. But at the end of the day, it's an Evil Dead film. And he said that uh, this film is all about the Necronomicon uh, and that uh, they are taking the film, the story, out of the woods. Uh, that this film will be set in the city and that the story will be centering, centering on uh, estranged sisters uh, who have met up for a reunion, uh, which is ruined by the arrival of flesh-possessing uh, demons. Um, and he said that uh, it's, it's, it's very much involving the book, that this film is book-centric. Uh, where is the book? Uh, where has it ended up? Um, what has the book caused uh, this time? Who has it? And in addition to that, uh, he has also said that uh, coming in 2022, uh, Evil Dead, the game, is on the way. Uh, a video game for all uh, consoles and computers and whatnot. Uh, Bruce Campbell will be appearing in the video game as Ash. Uh, he said that it's going to feature cooperative gameplay uh, as well as player versus player. Uh, there's going to be multiple maps to play on, including uh, a very detailed video game rendering of the cabin in the woods and as many as 25 different weapons uh, for you to be able to play with. Uh, so a lot of Evil Dead news from, from Ash himself, Bruce Campbell. 
Well, and plus, nice, Evil Dead, man. the original, the 40th anniversary, it's hitting theaters one night only, October 7th. You get your ticket soon in August for that Fathom event, which I think if it's playing in a theater near me, I might go. I would love to see Evil Dead, you know, in a theater. So if you're like me, you know, that's what to check out. Yeah, definitely. 40th anniversary. Keep, uh, keep my eyes for it. God, it's fucking crazy to think that shit, man. So fucking so 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 yeah, fucking right. old. Yeah, they they had a little spot in Game Informer for uh, for the Evil Dead game as well. So I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm starting to kind of look forward to it, man. But again, you know, all of these games that are based on like cooperative gameplay and and I I don't know. For me, you know, unfortunately, it's just uh, the, the cooperative thing is just not my thing, man. I like to play solo. Yeah, that's, I mean, we, we talked about that previously when it was announced, that it's pretty much just Friday the 13th a game, where it's like you, you can't just play a single-person campaign, you know, with this. It's, it's fully cooperative, and that's what kind of turned me off to it, because I don't have a gaming system, but I wanted it for Evil Dead, and then as soon as they said there's not going to be a single-person campaign, I was out. Like, nope. I don't feel like I have to log online and wait for people and, and play it that way. I want to play it on my own, like you said, Ghoul, and just have my own adventure in that universe, so... Maybe they will make one after a while, but I don't know. I hope so. Well, definitely like to play that game. I mean, I know they've had various, you know, other Evil Dead games over the years. Um, oh yeah, you know, obviously yeah. those were like single player driven and whatnot. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully at some point or another they'll get an update through that'll give you bots and some shit like that. I mean, they just want to get the game out and working. I mean, obviously in this day and age with the younger you know, the, the, the younger people that are playing, you know, a lot of them are into, to, into the multiplayer thing. Um, I think if I had more friends that, that, that played games of, you know, similar minds to the games that I like to play, um, you know, I probably would do more of it, but I guess that would also require more games of higher quality of the types of games that I play as well. Um, that, that might not be so like mindless feeling or, or repetitive, but I guess it's kind of all gaming in its own way, isn't it? Or at least that's what our parents always told us that we're going to go fucking blind, deaf and dumb playing <laughs> video games like that. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole, like even like the whole cooperative thing with Friday the 13th after the whole countdown and all that shit and all that time of me never playing, you know, I finally played and like, and again, I think I might've logged into that game like five times total since I ever, like, played that one time. And, like, out of all those times of logging in, you know, the, 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 it was really spent looking at the, the various versions of Jason that had gotten released, but never actually playing the game. I think out of all the other times, I only played the game one or two other times tops, and, and, and that was that. Yeah, yeah. It's, when they go that well, route, you know, it makes it kind of difficult. But anyway, so that is the, the Evil Dead uh, news portion. Uh, what else do you have for us, Dave? Oh, let's see. What else do I have for you, King? Um, yeah. Everyone has been uh, so excited to get an opportunity to see A Quiet Place 2, uh, which has been raking at the box office up to like something like $190-something million on a $22 million budget and a slew of positive reviews. But... The time has come where if you are one who has access to the Paramount Plus streaming service, uh, Quiet Place 2 has hit uh, Paramount Plus. So uh, if you haven't yet been wanting to or Hmm. feeling comfortable going back to the theater and you have Paramount Plus, uh, Quiet Place 2 
uh, is currently streaming, and you will have another opportunity to see this film at this time. And see here, I was seeing that they had it for sale on Xbox, and I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll spend a, a couple of bucks. But you know what? I have Paramount Plus. I'm one of those subscribers. There you go. So, so this means that finally one of that my subscription you. pays off, and I can actually get to watch this film. You are the one like that can watch this film. Indeed. Indeed, Dean. Thank the you. One. Thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. The, the Highlander of this movie. <laughs> he aims the Are you going to watch it tonight, ghoul? Are you going to watch A Quiet Place 2 tonight? No. Just like I'm not going to finish The Boys tonight either. <laughs> well, I mean, nope. it's only been months and months and months uh, for that. I know. You know great. I get to sound like you for a minute. Island. It's only been months, and you <laughs> haven't seen it like yet. Love Island but, popped up uh, on Hulu, dude, and we haven't had a season of Love Island in oh, forever. Oh, man. Uh, they're only like two episodes oh. in, too, man. We've got to get in there. There's going to be all these hot, young, fucking, you know, party party animals, and, and they're going to have all kinds of fucking, you know, romance and hijinks and stupidity and all kinds why of fun things that we enjoy watching. Why don't, why don't you go on Love Island? Why don't you subscribe? Man. I mean, uh, or apply, apply. Why don't you apply? I'm not in the Bible? UK. Why don't There's you? There's an American for, one. Uh, I'm like, not, I understand that, but I'm why don't, not why don't, for love. Why don't you suggest to the creators like Love Island expatriates, and then Americans can come and go go there to Love well, Island. They have, they have a U.S. version of the show, so go there. But yeah, just go somewhere on Love Island, dude. That's what we're saying. Make it so move. Go, okay. go to Love Island, America. Cool. Uh, that's what <laughs> I'm going to do. America. Totally going to do it. I'm going to write to them right now, man. Absolutely. You should. Why would you not want to go there? As long as everybody you show up during the middle of filming. Just like find out when they're it's, filming and just show up. Yeah, I filmed already. You and the Google show yeah, up. I, yeah, like, hey, what am I gonna play? fucking? <laughs> yeah, let me hold on. I'm gonna call. I'll, get, I'll call my private jet, get my parachute ready, and uh, and we'll be good to go. I'll, I'll fucking bomb in on the island. Gotta get, get to the borrow island. Borrow someone's boat. Don't you just yeah, go on the boat. There you go. Boom. I'll borrow somebody's boat. You're right. You can boat go strolling up. Happen. You can knock on the door of the mansion. Uh, you can you can remove your clothing and just stroll on in. Absolutely. That's right. Okay. Like you own the place. It's a game changer. It's a season finale nobody expected. Oh, just like Logan. Go on the Google girl show up. <laughs> the party's here, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I would watch yeah, that. Can, being, being, being the dedicated fan that you are, uh, you can contact mm. the producers and maybe they can create one uh, and you can, you, can, you can star in Love Island Middle-Aged. Oh, that would be wonderful. My favorite <laughs> fucking show ever, man. Love Island, the middle-aged edition. Yes. Mm-hmm. Shags and the bags. Shags and bags. Exacto mundo. Exacto mundo, indeed. Make it happen, CBS or Fox or whatever station plays your, that. Your, it's your density. It's your Absolutely. density to make it happen. Make me fly. Double ARP. They need to make that happen. I mean, we can have fucking Love Island Senior Edition. 
Ooh, that'd be even better if the party stopped at like six o'clock, reasonable hour. You know, the sun might still be out, but that doesn't mean the party doesn't stop in the bed. Okay. Indeed. In bed by six, dude. Lights <laughs> out. Fucking. Yeah, they probably sleep late too. Well, they probably right, really have to worry about them shitting and pissing in the pool. Well, I mean, that's just going to happen. I mean, they have they have people that clean that up. Yeah, I mean, there's a staff that's on site. That's job is to fucking clean that shit. Right. All you have to worry about is making sure that you have the best place in line to get the buffet. That's the aim of the game. Yeah. Got to get that early bird special. Want to get that soup of the day, bitch. Mm-hmm. Soup or salad, your choice. Ooh, salad, of course, will be showing for your uh, for your enjoyment. <laughs> the way it can be tossed. Anyway, so what else you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jamie Foxx. Toss the soup. Jamie Foxx <laughs> is joining uh, the Netflix family uh, along with none other than Snoop Dogg himself and uh, Netflix regular performer uh, action performer Scott Atkins uh, for a series. Uh, is the series or is it a film? I think it's a film. Where is the series? I can't read my fucking chicken scratch. It's either a film or a series called Day Shift. Uh, it's a movie, a hmm. film. Uh, it's a horror comedy film, a vampire film for Netflix. Uh, Jamie Foxx plays a blue-collar, uh, hard-working dad to an eight-year-old girl, and his job as a San Fernando Valley pool cleaner uh, is just a front uh, for his real source of income, uh, which is hunting and killing vampires. Uh, Day Shift is currently filming. Uh, No release date uh, has been announced, uh, but they say you can expect to see this uh, most likely sometime in 2022. Okay. That's interesting, huh? I'll check that out. If Blade became a pool cleaner, you know what? You know what's fun? Yeah, is that actually has like okay? So like when 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 you describe like yeah. the basic idea of that story, it sounds like the greatest short ever done. You know, like you could take that, make that like a short film, and it would be fucking fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. yep. stretching that out into like a 90 minute, 87 to 90 minute, and well, these days they make fucking everything two hours. So, well, I know it's going to be a two hour fucking action film. Um, but, you know, like I, in my head, I'm still like in the, the late 80s, early 90s where action films top out at like, you know, 93 minutes. Um, you know, you make that like a nice tight 87 to 90 minute movie. You might struggle a little bit, I think, you know, and it depends on the special effects at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and we'll see how it goes. I mean, I still kind of hope that uh, it works out. It could, it could be fun, and I like Jimmy Fox, but you know, definitely probably could work better as a short. Time will tell, as always. All right, what else do you have, Dean? Uh, so, people were real excited when this casting was announced, and uh, you know, it was it it was it was timely. Um, at the time, but time, uh, time does not stop, and, and time seems to have moved on. Uh, but there was once a time when everyone... Time does not hold us for so long. 
is everyone's favorite scene chewing over actor, uh, Nicolas Cage, uh, is out as Joe Exotic, as uh, Amazon Studios has announced that they have uh, dropped uh, their uh, Tiger King series. They are not going to be moving forward uh, with this series. Uh, just like they feel that uh, it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to put out the investment that uh, they feel that the Tiger King story has passed, um, yeah, passed society by. Um, and with that being said, uh, Peacock streaming service uh, is oh, currently wow. filming their Joe Exotic uh, series. Uh, they are going to continue to fight uh, the good fight uh, and get their series uh, surrounding the Tiger King, Joe Exotic. Um, they're continuing to work on that. And yes, uh, as I had said, um, uh, they're moving ahead. Uh, an actor named uh, John Cameron Mitchell will be playing uh, Joe Exotic, and that is currently filming right now uh, as so if you were so hoping to see a fictionalized version of the Joe Exotic saga, uh, you will still get I your would. chance. Okay. You will still mm, get your I chance. Know. It's a letdown, though. I mean, you know, hey, listen, the real Joe Exotic is still in jail, and OJ and Bill Cosby are out. I mean, listen, he also, I guess something went down, like, today or yesterday or something, where I guess they're, uh, they're like, resentencing him. Like, something got changed in the uh, he, he appealed something and he actually won the appeal uh, but basically what they've oh, done okay. is like a, they, they eliminated whatever his sentence was but they're resentencing him so I uh, couldn't really find anything as far as how long they're going to be resentencing him for but uh, you know I guess right. it's like a clerical error made and, and unlike movies in which people get released for that. Um, no, instead they're just saying, yeah. hey, we know we fucked up. We admit we fucked up, but we're going to fix this right now. Yes, and, uh, Here, yes. And, here's and some details. That. Uh, a, a three-judge panel in Denver's Court of Appeals ruled that the original sentence was issued using the wrong sentencing guidelines. Uh, the judges mm. found the trial court should have treated the murder-for-hire conviction convictions as one since they both involved the goal of having Carol Baskin killed. The proper sentencing range should have been between 17 and a half to just under 22 years, the panel wrote, not just under 22 years to 27 years in prison. Um, Joe Exotic's real name, um, Joe Maldonado Passage, uh, has maintained his innocence and unsuccessfully sought a pardon uh, from from Donald Trump. So, uh, you know... (laughs) <laughs> Doesn't look like Joe Exotic uh, will be, you know, walking free in the near future, but uh, perhaps his sentence uh, will will get to have a few years uh, shaved off of, of his sentence. Good. You know, I mean, listen, he was he was a complete asshole to those tigers. I agree, but for him to get the book thrown the way that he did, you know, again, when you have you know people like OJ and fucking Bill Cosby walking around, yeah, no. Thanks. It's time for Joe to get out to. Oh, well. 
I don't know, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. You know, again, and then, that, that was one of those, uh, like, global phenomena type of deal. I think it was just the right place, right time. You know, fucking yeah, the, uh, the pandemic was just starting. That was fucking lightning in a bottle. You know, it's not, it's, it's oh, just yeah. one of those Tiger fucking fucking mm-hmm. things. So, like, the, the longer we go away from it, the, the happier I find myself as a human being. So, <laughs> I don't know. Watching that show was just grinding. Yeah. <laughs> totally grimy. They were all disgusting. Um, and yeah, and you are absolutely correct in the fact that uh, there was nothing else for people to do uh, than to get swept up in that universe. And look, there are times when uh, something hits and the general, and you know, the general population uh, is so uh, scattered with a thousand different avenues of entertainment that uh, it's not oh, so yeah. common anymore for the greater good uh, to be swept up into the into one main thing together as a whole. I feel like maybe the last time that even happened to that degree was when Netflix had that uh, Making a Murder uh, a few years ago. Um, but yeah, with everyone being home and stuck in the house uh, and doing nothing but watching TV and being on social media, yeah, the, the Joe Exotic thing was like a fucking tidal wave. Uh, you know, and there's still people out there that are like, oh, I never watched it and I'm proud, but like it was what, what it was. It was like one of those collective societal <laughs> things. I don't give a uh, fuck about that anymore. I don't give a fuck about who or who hasn't gotten the vaccine, man. How about that? You know, like yay. Like I hate people that want to have, that have to announce that they haven't watched something. You know, I, I get it. It, it. It's you know maybe it's grinding to some people to have like you know shared experience. Like other people are having shared experiences that they are not or that they refuse to have. But like this this whole thing, like you know, like they feel like they're rebels for. Uh, for denouncing it and, you know, announcing their, their end of it. Like, you know, who cares? The same people do shit with, like, that with Cobra Kai in a war. I've never watched an episode of Cobra Kai, and I never will. Well, it sucks for you. You're an <laughs> asshole. You're missing out on a good show, you know? Like, okay. Oh, the comedy, Cobra Kai? <laughs> yeah, that was a fucking weird one, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a total comedy fest. I got nominated. It's supposed to be considered a comedy? Like, I know there's comedic elements, but I don't consider it a comedy. No, like a dramedy at best. Even that's kind of not accurate. I don't know. Hey, it's nominated. That's all that matters. But All right, then what else do you have? So, I know we had some chatter about this, uh, you know, in our, in our group, but uh, as he moves forward with his... Munsters uh, film Rob Zombie has announced that he will be constructing uh, a 100% exact replica of the Munsters house uh, for his film reboot, uh, even going uh, so much as sharing uh, a blueprint image of such. Uh, he says that he wants it to be exact. And, um, you know, that's the latest piece of news surrounding this project as it continues to move forward. Uh, There is no uh, release date at this time, but rest assured that if you are going to be looking to see this, you will see an exact replica of the Munster's house. See what he comes up with. He's a fan. You know, time for those expectations. Yeah. You know, I mean, Every time, you know, we, mm-hmm. we I, I guess I'm the one considered the fan of Rob Zombie on the show. Um, yeah. 
I don't even know how like that really computes. I mean, like I I enjoy his things to a degree, <laughs> but like you know, I I never see greatness within any of them. Uh, and unfortunately, you know, like I, I maybe that's why because I'm constantly like deep down hoping he pulls off something great with it, but no, like in my heart that he's probably gonna just let me down. Um, now that's mm-hmm. a bummer. But I don't know. It is what it is. I, I hope he doesn't. I hope he at least does it, you know, something respectful. Don't, don't trailer trash it. That's all. Yeah. As yeah, the, the King had said earlier in this program, though, um, to quote him, there's no replacing Fred Gwynn. There's just, there's just no replacing Fred Gwynn as, as, as drug dealer. No. There's just no there's replacing none. Fred Gwynn. But then again, I'm not a Munsters fan. I'm an Adams Family guy. You know that. So they can do whatever they want. I just I don't like the monsters. I was always Gomez and Morticia and, and uh, Pugsley and Wednesday and all them. I just I couldn't get behind the fucking humor of the monsters. It just it didn't land with me like the Adam Sandler did. Just didn't. Oh so, yeah, my Fred Gwynn is is Judd Crandall, not not Herman Munster. So that's why I said I don't really have any expectations for Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Just don't set it in Texas in a trailer park. That's all. Mm-hmm. Man, so how stupid else do you have to be? Unexpected, well, I mean, unexpected, but stupid, man. Rob Zombie, you never know. <laughs> you got to take it with a grain of salt when it comes to Rob Zombie. Look what he did with Halloween. Yes. Haddonfield, Illinois, and now becomes Houston, Texas. Made of crystal meth. <laughs> <laughs> Is that where all the meth comes from? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It comes from the Rob Zombie film set. Sorry. Oh, no, I know you're listening. Oh. <laughs> There's always a healthy amount on the Rob Zombie set. That's a guarantee. That's a Rob Zombie guarantee, folks. Everybody gets to take home some mess. All right. So what else do you have, Dean? And then, uh, you know, the on-set uh, cinema company is going to be holding their third annual uh, Friday the 13th. Part 6 celebration, the Jason Lives screening at the Hard Labor Creek State Park and Camp Daniel uh, in Rutledge, Georgia, where Friday the 13th Part 6 was filmed. Uh, That event is sold out, but for the first time, uh, they have announced a new uh, project. Onset Cinema uh, is going over to Minette, Alabama. Uh, to to Burns Lake, where they will be constructing an outdoor screen set up between the party house and the shepherd house and uh, screening uh, Friday the 13th, Part 7, A New Blood, right in the very spot uh, next to the lake where this film uh, was created. Uh, It's part of an overnight camping uh, celebration uh, in conjunction with Bicentennial Park, which is uh, 20 minutes up the road. Uh, you will have two chances, October 25th, uh, the evening of the 25th, as well as the evening of the 26th. Uh, each day will start with your arrival at the campground. Um, you will shuttle over to the um, Burns Lake Park, uh, where the screening will take place. Uh, and then you'll return back to Bicentennial Park where there will be, uh, you know, a campfire and s'mores, games, and 
other uh, outdoor screenings of other films in the Friday the 13th series. So uh, if this sounds like your kind of thing, uh, you have to get down to Alabama. And uh, again, that's October 25th and 26th. Uh, out onset cinema spread, spreading their wings and flying on from Friday the 13th Part 6 uh, and touching down in the land of Friday the 13th Part 7. All right. Excellent. And there you check it out. All right. So what else do you have for us? Based on the notes uh, that I compiled for this evening's broadcast, uh, there are no more items on my papers. All right. We are wrapped up with horror news, folks. So we're going to get into Blood Quantum tonight, which is the Dean's Pick in 2019, directed by Jeff Barnaby. So why don't you take us away, uh, Dean? Yes, uh, Blood Quantum uh, is my pick. And this one has been on my shutter list uh, for some time. And as it's been of several weeks, uh, I missed an opportunity to, to make a pick because of some personal business. Uh, it's been a while since I, since I made a pick. So I was, I've been looking forward to seeing this film and hadn't watched it yet. So I used our program as the opportunity to, to do so. And again, this is Blood Quantum. Uh, if you don't know, uh, the Blood Quantum uh, or Blood Quantum Laws uh, have been used in the United States and in Canada um, to determine the percentage of one's indigenous ancestry. Uh, so that blood quantum comes into play uh, in this kind of tribal take on the zombie universe uh, where a zombie outbreak uh, has begun. And it seems that uh the members of the red crow indian reservation um are not affected uh or not infected affected infected uh whichever you choose to say um you know by whatever this sickness is that is bringing uh the dead back to life so as they realize that uh they are immune uh, on this reservation, uh, they begin to, to lock down uh, from the outside world and have fortified uh, their compound. And obviously, uh, things don't necessarily go as planned, uh, which is often the case in these situations. Uh, but this leads to um, violence and death um, at a fight for survival uh, amongst the residents of the Indian reservation. So, uh, that's the loose description of Blood Quantum, written and directed by Jeff Barnaby, and we will get uh, further into this discussion if you stick with us uh, for the rest of our program this evening. So what did you think of it? Um, I did not love uh, Blood Quantum, uh, but I did like it. Um, I... I, I certainly a flawed film, but I like, uh, you know, some of the societal uh, situations that were looked upon here um, when it comes to indigenous uh, tribal people of the land versus 
uh, the white man. Uh, you know, we know that uh, historically, going uh, going back a long ways, uh, the white man, um, you know, brought much disease that wiped out so many different tribes across North America. Uh, but here is a situation where white man has uh, has sickness uh, that does not impact uh, the indigenous ma- indigenous man. Uh, and kind of turns the tables as as people on the outside of this reservation begin to succumb uh, to their fate. So, um, you know, I enjoyed that kind of minor exploration. I would have actually maybe appreciated a little bit more depth uh, to that, but I liked some of the level of violence, which, uh, you know, was, you know, there was some decent splatter, uh, and as well, it was also at times a little bit on on the humorous uh, side when it came to the splatter. And, you know, I liked the characters and I was into the story. And uh, this is another one of those where uh, it's one of these things with the streaming universe that we live in right now uh, that I've been thinking about lately. Um, This is certainly one that if I was sitting around and flipping channels and nothing else was on, I would watch. But I don't know that I'm necessarily going to open up Shudder and select it to watch on my own accord. And there's like a thousand movies out there uh, that that is how I see repeatedly. Like I just happen to be able to flip in and, oh, there's this film. I haven't seen this one in a while. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, but I don't know that I would ever go seek it out to, to watch it. So um, I think this one falls into that category for me. So I did like Blood Quantum. Okay. Right, cool. What would you think about Blood Quantum? I like the... Uh... I guess I kind of like the premise of Blood Quantum more than I like the film itself. Um, While, again, I share in your sentiment in regards to the the splatter effects, there was definitely some fun scenes. Um, uh, And and I have to say, I'm really glad that they they went somewhere that they ended up going in the film. Uh, Obviously, we'll bring that up when we get there. Uh, but, uh, but, yeah, I felt like there were the times that this movie dragged felt like forever. Like, there were just mm-hmm. periods of time with this movie that fucking, like, I'd be, like, I'd end up pausing it for something. And it was, like, the 13-minute mark. And then what felt like 45 yeah. minutes later, like, I paused again, and it was, like, the 31-minute mark. And I was like, what the fuck? Um and sure, I mean, maybe it's because of all that awesome information they crammed into those little tiny spots. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was just that those, those periods of time felt very dull. What about you, King? How'd you feel about it? Yeah, again, to kind of resound like everybody, you you and the Dean, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it either. Um, I felt like Blood Quantum would work better as a series than as a hour and 37-minute movie because the pacing kind of mm-hmm. fell off. Um, it dragged in some parts. It was quick in some parts. But the the back and forth, like, you, know, you get the beginning, and then you cut to six months later, and it's like they're trying to rush everything at once, you know, and, and trying to balance out these characters. And I felt like nobody was really kind of fleshed out. They tried to do some things with Charlie and Joseph, um, with Charlie being pregnant, and they tried to throw that in there. Then Lysol, who I felt was, like, such an uneven character where, yeah, he's kind of like the bad boy, the criminal and stuff like that, but then he takes this, you know, arc in a certain way towards the third act where there wasn't really a build-up. It just kind of happened. 
So that's why I kind of felt like if Blood Quantum was like a six-episode series on Shudder, it probably would be better because they would have more room to kind of spread things out. Whereas in this movie, they kind of had to throw it all in. Go ahead, cool. No, I was going to agree and build characters. And, yeah, like his turn yeah. totally felt like completely unearned. It's like, okay, yep. you know, like, yeah, like you said, like, yeah, he's kind of the bad boy. But the entire time he seems like he's fucking, you know, he's at least legit on his love for family. So like, if that came out of nowhere, you're absolutely right. I was thinking the same thing. This probably would have been a more interesting series to give these characters some time to, to just get developed a little bit more. Yeah, and I think that the gore was definitely, it kept me in, you know, with, with the gore effects. I mean, it definitely reminded me a lot of, uh, you know, Day of the Dead type effects, you know, with, with the intestines being thrown around and then the blood splatter being actually really good. So, I enjoyed it, um, you know, from that aspect. But yeah, ripping noises. Yeah, they they did a fantastic job with the gore. Like I, I had no complaints with that. I was like, you know, if anything, I think the gore is probably the best thing about this. But it's just it was such unevenly paced, where you're getting it right from the start, from the beginning in 1981, that things are happening, the fish are coming back to life, the dogs that have been shot are coming back to life. So like, what the fuck's going on? You know, it's like all right, so you're thrown into it right away. You know, it's not like it builds up and then all of a sudden these things are happening. Like, you don't really get a whole kind of aspect of it where it's like, oh, shit, you know, uh, zombies are coming. You don't know really what they are. They're just infected, and you have Trailer, the sheriff, trying to figure things out and trying to make sense of everything, and he's confused. He reminded me a lot of, like, a less Rick Grimes. Like, this is like, you know, this world version of Rick Grimes in a lot of ways, the way that he, he, he acted, the way that this character acted, you know, as the sheriff trying to make heads or tails of what's going on, trying to keep his level head. And yeah, the, it, it's interesting that they have the Charlie and Joseph aspect of it because you have this teenagers and they're, they, you know, listen, I made my decision. I'm going to go through with the abortion and I think it's the best thing to do, but then the zombie apocalypse happens. So now you're kind of stuck being pregnant, you know, because what else are you going to do? You know, you're going to have to keep this baby and, and keep moving and, and hope for the best. But well, um, I felt by them leaving yeah. the doctors or the hospital at that point, that was them making the decision to keep the baby. I feel like that was a conscious choice made by the characters and the zombie apocalypse. Like, I don't know. I felt like the movie kind of went out of its way in a way to kind of show us that so that it wasn't the yeah, zombie apocalypse that made that decision for her. It was an actual decision made by the two of them. It could have been, but I mean, at least they show Joseph not being like, hey, man, I'm a teenager. Fuck this kid. Like, and fuck you, too. Like, he actually does say, I love her. I really do. You know, I don't know why mm-hmm. I do the things that I do, like sitting on top of a bridge and taking a shit on a car, which I got to laugh at. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> you know? And then seeing him fall on the Ripping back of the car. Fell. Falls in the background. <laughs> yeah. To see him hit the fucking truck, man. That I loved. Oh, it was great. I had to rewind it because I was laughing so hard. Especially when his fucking naked ass just fell on the back of that car, you know, and he ends up going to jail with, with Lysol, his friend, you know, Alan, you know, but he goes by Lysol now because he's the bad boy. You know, so that's what he goes by. Um, the part I think that you were kind of alluding to, Ghoul, which I kind of thought went there too, was when uh, Trailer, amidst all this stuff, goes to Shooker's house because he's receiving a call at Shooker's house if there's a domestic disturbance situation. And, of course, Shooker uh, is addicted to... Um, I think it was meth, some kind of drug. 
narcotic, you know, and he's just telling him to, you know, fucking calm down. Hey, what's wrong with your wife? Goes, oh, no, she's all fucked up, and I'm putting her upstairs. You're high. You must be high. Uh, you know, fucking you know that like you know, drug and alcohol like, abuse. Like, drug and alcohol abuse. Didn't have problem fingernails. On, on had teeth where the fingernails should have been. Like, he was saying some fucking outlandish shit, yeah. too. You know what I mean? So, and like, yeah, I got it. Yeah. That this character was completely fucking, like, drug-addled and everything. But at the same time, too, I'm wondering, like, what the fuck is this going Like, what really is going on? I was excited to see what the fuck they were about to show us. And then what they did show us was like, oh, oh fuck. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, when he goes but, into that room and she comes out with that baby. Oh, oh okay. She fucking eats yeah, the okay. baby. He <laughs> just throws it on the ground. <laughs> I ate my brother. <laughs> but just, yeah, just gnawing at this fetus and then throwing it on the ground like it's nothing <laughs> and then going after the trailer. Like, wow. Okay. I feel like a horrible human being laughing at it. But seriously, like, the stunned laughter that just like, came <laughs> Funny, fucking, man. like, just fucking bubbling out of me. Like, it was fucking really, really, really funny on such a disturbing level, man. I think just the way that it bounced. I think that was like, my problem with it when she talked <laughs> to the ground. <laughs> yeah, because even I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I didn't know whether to be disturbed or just start laughing because it's just the way that it, it bounced as you drop it to go after the trailer, you know, and, and bite him on the arm, you know, and attack it, you know, which is Not like the, the dean had said. The indigenous people of Red uh, Crow, they're not, uh, they can't get infected. You know, it's, it's a white man's uh, disease, you know, so they, they can be bit, you know, they can, you know, they can't avoid getting torn apart, but which, if they get bit, they're not going to yeah. turn to them. Yeah which I love that we Mm -hmm. see these people get bit like a number of times, right? Like in this early Mm -hmm. sequence here. And of course, you know, your mind, obviously like, because again, you know me, I don't read the, uh, the description before I watch the movie. Right. At least I try not to, because even those sometimes give that shit away. Uh, I didn't read it. So like when I see them get bit, I'm like, Oh fuck, you know, wow. They're going to really like, are they going to go the, the chop off the fucking body part route? Like, what are they going to do? To, to you know, or are these characters going to turn? Are they going to do it slow? Are they going to do it fast? Are they going to die? Like, what the fuck is going to go on? So when we go to this, you know, the end game six months later thing, um, you know, it, it like to see them like alive and walking around and everything, and then finding out through their dialogue that they were immune surprised me. You know, the ghoul girl was like, "Yeah, it was in the description that they're they're immune." I'm like, "Oh," <laughs> and you're like, "I didn't okay. read the description." I didn't read well, the fucking description know. there. So it shocked yeah, so, I mean, surprised me. You know, I, I wish there was more of a reason other than, you know, I guess their, their gods allowing it or whatever. I don't know. I, I just wish we got some more explanation on some of the shit that went on in this fucking movie. Well, yeah, because it, it would drag in parts and they would be explaining it, but then they wouldn't be explaining it fully. So you're just kind of like, ah, all right, all right, you know, okay. You know, I'm just going to go with it, but... When he has sugar in the back of his police car, after he basically just fucking grounds his girlfriend's face with the shotgun butt, are you kidding me, uh-huh. man? I was like, oh man, uh, again, I, I shouldn't be laughing. Her just, fucking head, oh, like, you fucking killed in, and the brain smeared out, and her fucking whole facial fucking thing like dissected. I oh, love yeah. the fucking chiefs on the radio, and he's like, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I killed her. You think, bro? Like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You should know whether or not you fucking killed her, dude. (laughs) There was nothing left but splatter. 
So yeah, it's pretty much thinks he's not right. getting and, back you know, up like, after that. But too, in that moment too, he like had to get the fuck out of there, you know, like uh, yeah, given the like a nature. Fucking birthday cake, bro. No, I I know, but as far as him saying, I think I killed her. Like one, given the nature of uh, indigenous life on the reservation, like his boy climbing up on the highway overpass and, and taking a dump on the cars passing below, um, <laughs> you know, sounds like an exciting night around there. Uh, we don't know to what level of experience uh, he has with this level of violence. And yes, he, he squashed her head, but like there was battle that was going on where you think that if, you know, to, to handle a, a, a woman's body in this fashion that she would not have kept coming so then, yes, she squashed. But like, I'm I'm imagining like a like a just like a like an overall feeling of holy shit, what the fuck did I just do? What the fuck just happened? Like, maybe not being a full clear thought when he crawled on that fucking microphone, and you're like, I think I killed her. That's all. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, and the other problem I kind of have with this is that right after right after this, Thank you. we, Thank we you. have we have our cut to six months later where they've fortified this area, which is kind of like their compound, you know, against, you know, the, what they call Zeds. But again, I had a problem with it because they don't really show you kind of anything in terms of uh, (laughs) like news reports or newspapers or TV reports. Like you never get a scope of how big this is, but they never go out of their way to say, this is like a global thing, or this is an isolated thing. You know, they, they pretty much just tell you this is six months later and they fortified you know, their reservation. So I kind of felt like that was a missed point where I wanted to see how big the scope that this was, you know, how widespread, you know, this, this whole outbreak is. Well, that's the thing. I think by lack of news reaching them tells you the Mm -hmm. size of the event. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I, th- I think that that's, that's kind of the thing, you know what I mean? If you really think about it, you know, like even let's take something like uh, The Walking Dead into account, you know, because again, let's be yeah. realistic yeah. here. You already made the comparison, you know, that, that he's kind of like a Rick Grimes. This movie yeah. is really, really taking a lot of its elements from The Walking oh, Dead. Yeah. Um, Absolutely it is. You know, like, uh, you have your communities there, you know, and like, yeah, we look at it and we're like, ooh, there's so many characters, ooh, there's so much of this and that going on in the world. But the reality is, is all we really know at this point is what's been happening within a very small area, because, you know, once the entire world's communication system breaks down, you kind of really lose, lose all of your ability to, to know all that news until you get an established fucking, you know, setup again, where, where you're going to have deliveries and fucking and shit like that um, between communities. So in this case, with them already being in such a stranded part of the world from, from, from the look of it, I know it's Canada. Uh, I just don't know where. I don't, I don't know anything about the geography of Canada. You ask me what Canada looks like, I tell you it looks like snow. Um, but, you know, that's just, just, just my thoughts on that. Uh, the it's like anywhere else. Cool. Um, you know, so, so, so that's that. That's all I was thinking. It definitely did, yeah. It was definitely the Walking Dead vibes. As soon as they get into the compound where, like, you know, they're all wearing gear. Uh, you have the, the man coming with his daughter, you know, and uh, they're hesitant to let them in, so they've got to find out if they've been bitten or not. Obviously, the girl has, so they have to take her out. And then you have the questions when they invite Lilith into the sure. compound with them in. You know, 
Have, like, what did you survive on? Were you eating salmon? Were you eating bears? Were you eating humans? Have you been bit? Like, it's just very much borrowed from, like, The Walking Dead, like, when they establish their, their council. Before they invite anybody in, they have to ask the question. So I was like, oh, that seems cringe. I'm sorry, man, but, you know, uh, I get you want to give people at least a sense of, like, normalcy or at least protection. But for that very same mm. reason, I think at that point during that interview sequence, you absolutely have the right to say, like, hey, listen, if you do want to stay here, we need you to strip the fuck down so we can ensure that yeah. you have no bites. You know, and, and that's that. That's for the safety of the fucking community. And if that person believes in getting in for the safety of that community, then fucking hey, man, take your clothes off and show that shit. Absolutely. Yeah, I think Mike's absolutely 100% fucking right when he says that, you know, they need to, to be watching who they're bringing in. Yeah, that's the one time I kind of agreed with him, you know, that you can't be letting everybody in. Like, we don't even have enough food and, and supplies to be taking care of every single person that kind of walks by and wants to be let in. You know, never mind, you know, white people who can get bit and become infected. You know, I mean, at least, like, it's like Lilith, she had a previous relationship with uh, – Lysol. We find that out later. At the time, we don't because they're asking her questions about how long she's been out there, you know, how long has she been surviving on whatever. So, but we do find out that she has a relationship, so maybe she's indigenous to them. So that's why they they kind of let her in. But we got away for the the Justice's Z cut. That'll explain everything. (laughs) Big uh, big back is gray. (laughs) But we have... In, in this, uh, on the flip side of it, and once everybody is kind of in the compound, we find out that the man whose daughter was killed, he has slit his wrists, and he's become one of the Zeds. And I just, I love trailer where he's like, why did it have to be his fucking arms? Why couldn't he just shoot himself in the head? Like, why couldn't you just do us a favor and just take yourself out with a shot to the head? Why did you have to slit your wrists? So, you know, it's trailer just kind of being over everything, and you can tell he's kind of weary and just uh, angry at everything. Um, that's why I kind of love his activity instead of partying is going out with uh, Gengisu and Bumper and Shooker to a gas station. Like, I love how Gengisu even says that. Like, oh, yeah, let them have their party. Like, you know, but we're going to do what we do because that's how we party. We kill fucking Zeds. Yep. Party time. <laughs> they have a great time doing because I love Gengisu. Just the way that he can fucking carry a sword again. He's just like their version of Michonne. So, again, Walking Dead references abound, you know, with the way he can handle a sword. And take out the, you know, these Zeds, even Bumper, you know, kind of acting like uh, King Ezekiel's guard, you know, with his big old battle axe. Love the one he killed the one zombie. <laughs> and trailer thought it was alive hanging out the window. And you just see all the guts sliding down. He's like, God damn it, Bumper. It's all right. My bad. <laughs> yeah. What you say? Um, yeah. say you, should, you should give a warning next time. <laughs> There's warning, warning. Next time. But, and this is where, again, I have a little bit of a problem with the movie because we have Lysol, you know, getting high with his friends and hanging out with Joseph after Joseph has a conversation with Charlie about the baby. Maybe it turns and bursts out of her stomach and she's scared of it. But then you have Lysol kind of hanging out, telling the story about how he went down on Lilith one night. And in the middle of that, he's found out that his friends have been arrested for getting into a fight. He goes to the police station He's got blood all over his face, so they thought he had gotten into a fight, too. 
then he remembers that he had eaten at Willis. So it's kind of like, ah, oh, you know, kind of having fun telling jokes. But the next time you see him, Willis is ripping his dick off and eating it, which I thought was hilarious. But it leads to, like, a weird villain turn for Lysol that I didn't think was necessary. I didn't really quite understand why he all of a sudden had to become this vicious, I'm just going to kill everybody because my dick got ripped off. I think he uh, he earned his red wings, uh, is, is what they call <laughs> yeah. that. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, again, I... Uh, like I said, I felt like everything leading up to this, this character, he might be a douche. Right. Uh, yeah. But, you know, he felt I'm like a, a douche that was the kind of douche character that would end up dying in one of those moments where you wouldn't expect him to, like, sacrifice himself, and he does. Um, but, no, instead mm-hmm. he turns into a fucking other maniac, yeah, where she's bitten off his dick or whatever, and, like, he's screaming and all that shit, and, uh, like, at that point, too, I was, like, sitting there, like, he's yelling, don't let her finish, don't let her finish, and, like, I, at that point, I honestly assumed he was dead, and I figured Joseph, he was saying for Joseph to kill him, because she was, like, already ripping apart and eating his guts and all that shit, so to see him, like, Mm -hmm. alive fucking car afterwards and then it's like wait a minute now not only is he alive but now he's also going on a murderous fucking rampage was like what the fuck happened did I miss something did like you know was there a conversation that I I just didn't get or or what man like were there fucking were there cues I missed there's something going on within this culture where certain words mean other things like I don't fucking know it's fucking weird well, he stabs Joseph for, like, no reason after all of that, where he thinks he's going to have Joseph kill him. Instead, you know, he gets up and he stabs Joseph, and he lets Willis kind of run rampant inside the compound, you know, to, to let all the Zeds in. So it's like all of a sudden he wants to be, like, king of the fucking zombies because he got his dick ripped off. Like, there was just – it was such a weird turn. Like, you think he would just die, but no. Instead, he becomes, like, this weird villain that everybody has to, to try to kill in the third act with Trailer well, and Gigisu and, and Shooker and Bumper coming back and finding out that everything's gone to shit. Yeah, but we also find out that, you know, like the gas station that those guys went to mm-hmm. was also set up by Lysol. Yeah. Like, there was this yep. whole entire plot, yeah. you know, and that gets, like, revealed in one of those, like, scar-like fucking, like, whisper-in-your-ear Simba, you know, I killed Mufasa yeah. type of moments, too, you know? And it's like, again, like, what the fuck, man? Like, uh, uh-huh. I don't know, man. It, again, like I said, like, the gore parts, I love. The story parts were, were driving me nuts a little bit. I got to give some credit to the uh, the actress that played Charlie. You know, when I first saw her, I was like, holy yeah. shit, I know this person. She played Maya on the uh, Degrassi Next Class that uh, – that we had the uh, the pleasure of watching, I guess, like three or four seasons, and then it got cut, which was a bummer. I really enjoyed that uh, that that run that they had. Those characters were a lot of fun. Yeah, never got a chance to watch. I mean, the only one I really watched was Degrassi: The Next Generation, which has that the uh, the rapper kid now, Drake or whatever his name is. Um, that's mm, the only one I ever watched. But yeah, it was it was a fun one. But yeah, you know, know we we it. have uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. But you know, we, we have this whole thing going down with, with Lysol becoming a villain, as we had said. Um, when Trailer returns with the others to discover 
Charlie and Joss and Joseph in the basement. Trailer is ultimately taken down as he tries to sacrifice himself so everybody else can get away. And I, personally, I loved it, not because I love the character so much as that they just fucking didn't shy away from him getting ripped apart. Like, it was total, you know, fucking Day of the Dead again, you know, throwbacks to him getting just completely annihilated, piece of his face being bitten off and then his intestines being unreeled. Like, yeah, I was into it. I was like, this is great. I should be caring about this character, but I'm just so impressed by the gore. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, he should have been yelling choke on him the entire time. <laughs> we also have our uh, our resident ninja moment coming up in the finale as well, because obviously yeah, somebody had to be Michonne. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, and we'll get there in just a few, because I definitely love that. I hated the fact that they went animated with it at the end. I would rather if they just did a live action kind of cut to him. Mm. But yeah, yeah that's that, 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 that good. Kind of, I was like, oh come on, don't, don't do this right now. Yeah, well, yeah. Because you, he... you know, that was a weird thing too. You know, when the movie first started, and it cut to that animated sequence for a minute, I thought yeah. it picked an animated movie. I actually backed up to <laughs> see if it said animated or not, you know, because I will give him a lot of credit. The animation was really cool. And like, it, it, it was of a, of a style that I wouldn't mind seeing something in. Yeah. I mean, the intercuts weren't so bad. Like I didn't mind some of the intercuts that they did with the animation. I thought it was kind of cool. It's just that that one was getting just who, um, I just, I don't know. I, I felt like they could have just live-actioned it, and I would have been fine. Um, maybe for some reason they couldn't, but, this, again, this is where Lysol... Maybe the actor didn't want to look stupid, you know? <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to yeah. give it some animation, like, uh, look, I'm not expecting it to go full-on, um, you know, anime style, like the animated sequences in, in, in Kill Bill, but, like, I don't know. I just, in this situation, it, like, took me out of... Yeah, it like took me out of it. Like I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't into that, you know. Yeah, Kill Bill made a choice and actually kind of worked for it. But yeah, this one, I don't know, just seemed weirdly placed. I didn't mind him, but it just seemed weirdly placed. Um, but and, again, Lysol. And again, uh, with Tarantino's blending of styles within Kill Bill is why Oren's animated sequence, you know, kind of uh, like makes sense. It's because that whole film, both one and two, are kind of a hodgepodge of, of various styles and things that he enjoys. I really wouldn't mind seeing a, a live version of that, though. You know, like, I really wish, like, you know, like, in my heart, there's certain things that I really wish to see, and I'd love to have seen, like, a live version of that, and I wish they would give the, us the fucking colorized version of that damn crazy 88 fight. Oh, God, but I wouldn't give her a full colorized version of the crazy 88 fight. My favorite scene in that entire movie. Yeah, I thought it was it's like Go-Go. that fucking rumor that yeah. comes up every couple of years, you know what I mean? It like floats to the surface <laughs> that Tarantino's going to release that finally. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, Tarantino, you know, gets on an interview somewhere and is like, yeah, there is no colored version of it. So it's never going to, you're never going to fucking see it, you know? And then, then <laughs> yeah. he'll talk about it another yeah. time. And then they'll be like, yeah, well, maybe we'll put it out eventually. It's like, okay, motherfucker, you know, you're, you're killing us. He just likes teasing, you know, he, he likes doing it, and I don't mind him for it, it's kind of fun. Maybe when he retires, you know, after making his final film, his 10th film, he'll, mm-hmm. he'll release that. But, um, you know, Lysol here, he's just mer- working on more traps. Like, he has Doris uh, tied up and makes her calls to, to the others. 
to get them to go to the church. And she, you know, Lysol, as soon as that's done, he kills her. So it's like all of a sudden now he, he's like a mastermind with creating these traps where he's got a whole group of survivors in the church that they have to go to, you know, and threatening to, to murder them all. You know, again, it's just a weird, it's weird turn. It's planned out. Character. It's just yeah, it's been this big plot, man, the whole time. Yeah, all this time, he's been a fucking conniving little grimy bastard, you know? (laughs) We don't know. Is is it the alcohol? Is it because he didn't have a mother? Or is it because of his, you know, because he felt like his father was deadbeat? Uh, Who knows? Uh, We don't. He didn't really give us that. It's not really fleshed out. That's why it's so confusing when he becomes a fucking mastermind like Jigsaw at the end of this movie where he's just got all these traps and all these plans that have been coming about the entire time. Um, you know, leading up to that church where he ends up stabbing Bumper, you know, heavily and, and going after the others like Josh and Charlie and, and, and Joseph. But he even has a zombie in the trunk of a car. Like, he just, he's got everything set up. Like, this guy knew that this was his end game. Like, for some reason, he knew that this church was going to be the end game and this is where it was going to take place. Um, but it just kind of, just kind of has to backfire on him because Josh gets the upper hand you know, shooting Lysol, Joseph stabs him, you know, there's just no way he's going to get away from this one. And it was, this was actually a really great shot uh, when Gingisu uh, lets off the shotgun in the air, just pumps off that round and let all the zombies know to come, or Zeds, I should say. I love seeing all those zombies, you know, running through that graveyard, because at this point, I didn't give a fuck that they ran. I was like, I don't care. They're, they're Zeds. They're not zombies. <laughs> so it's fine. Because uh, you know, normally so I hate running zombies. Yeah. You know, I hate running zombies, but in this one, I'm like, you know what? It's fine. I'll just call them Zeds, you know, and it's fine because it was a cool shot. I just, I like the fact of seeing these things running through the cemetery to that one goal of Lysol. And at first, he's trying to be the badass, like, this doesn't hurt. And then all of a sudden, he's like, oh, no, it actually does, you know, as he succumbs to being ripped apart, you know, by by all the zombies. Um, Again, you know, I wish they had done the Day of the Dead thing where they rip off his head. If they had ripped off his head and had the vocal cords stretch like they did in Day of the Dead, I would have been really impressed because that was my favorite part of Day of the Dead when that one soldier gets his fucking head popped off and you hear him screaming and the vocal cords get detached. But that has yet to be matched as far as I'm concerned. Nicotero just did too good of a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, um, it was uh, definitely a, uh, a wonderful scene in that movie. And, uh, and yeah, I was still very impressed with the... Uh, you know, the, the gore was unexpected, you know, as far as, you know, if not the quality, the amount of, of it. Um, so, so I liked it. Google approves. Yeah, they didn't hold back. Yeah, I have, you know, I, I, I'm pretty certain, and I'm not positive, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure that whenever it was Are you pretty like certain, this movie, not positive, like, or pretty sure? Pretty, I'm, I'm not positive, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure that when this film hit my Time radar... Sure and went into my show list was a note that I saw somewhere that did have to do uh, like with the gore. Um, and I was like, Oh, okay. Like one premise sounds interesting, but they say gory. I'm going to add this to my list. So uh, that it was that, uh, that was one of the things I remember drawing me to, to adding this film to my, to my, uh, my show list. Mm-hmm. Because that's, you know, it, the story might be what it is, and that's fine that it, it, it definitely, like I said, works better as a series. But when you have such good gore, sometimes that helps. 
Like, you know, the movie might be a little bit boring in some parts. It might not really bring you in like other plots would. But for me, if there's good gore, I'll watch. Like, you know, if I'm to see how they did it, to see how it works, if it's not too much CGI, you know, I like practical. You take it and, and further. I like, it just it makes it more fun, you know, to kind of see how they did it and to see how they can, you know, get the intestines to come out and things like that. It's just seeing how a magician works his magic, you know, in a way rather than going full CGI and being like, all right, well, we're going to rip the face off, but it's going to look completely fucking computerized, which I, I, yeah, I no, don't that's... like CGI effects. No, I'm not. I, I always nope. prefer, especially because of the blood, um, the blood factor as well. You know, CGI blood just, I know CGI they've got blood always looks somewhat better with it, but it just looks, it does. It always looks fucking bad. I don't care if it's a sci-fi channel movie or if it's a fucking, like a big major blockbuster. It just does not have that same tactile look as real blood, you know, and the real physical reactions to characters being fucking like it or actors being splattered with it. Um, you know, so, so yeah. When, when I see that shit, like, just churning and fucking bubbling and going, I am a, uh, yeah, I'm a happy camper. I, I, of course, like a more structured story, but having gore does help give me a little bit of a, a threshold of forgiveness, which is more than saying yeah, I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> That's another good one. Um uh, what was I going to say? So, yeah, we have uh, this moment where Lysol has been finished, and we have Shucker and Bumper going off into one boat with Joseph, Charlie, and Joss going into another one um, with, with Gengisu armed with only his katana, you know, going onto this uh, hunk of land with all the zombies coming. And it was just such a delight to see this. This guy just having no fucks to give and just taking out all these zombies, even when they're piling on top of him. He's still fighting back. And I was like, this is fucking cool as shit. Like, I want to see him just on top of a pile of zombies, waving that sword in the air, going, fuck yeah. Like, you know, but they cut to an animated part where they showed him kind of vanquishing the, the, the Zeds and holding a head up into the air. And that's, I want, I, you know, like the, the ghoul had said, maybe the guy didn't want to do that, but uh, I would have preferred the, the live action. It would have been so much cooler. Yeah. I, uh, you know, again, I, the, the, I think the live action could have been cool, but again, I do wonder, too, with the age of the actor, um, you know, obviously they use, you know, for, the, for the majority of the, you know, the, the cast, they're, in, they're the indigenous people. Um, so, so that in itself is its own impressive feat. Um, but he was an older actor, so, you know, something like that would require either a stunt double um, who would need to be trained in, you know, obviously the movements of it, or, you know, maybe they tried it out and they just didn't like the way it looked. You know what I mean? It might've just been like awkward looking and whatnot. I, I like the idea of that guy looking like a badass, And then that animated, yeah, yeah. animated sequence kind of like really cementing it in a way. Um, yeah. And that yeah. if maybe you do that live action and it doesn't look so good, it comes off as either like comical or just like, oh, yeah, I guess he is kind of just like an old dude. You know, I, I again, you know what it is, too? The words he said to Joseph, you know, I'm never leaving these lands again. Um, you see right. a quick shot earlier in the film, a picture of him with his war buddies. You know, I guess they were probably, I was mm-hmm. a veteran World War II, um, judging by his age. Um, you know, so it's, and again, the movie's taking place in 81, so that kind of fits. Uh, I think it was kind of like, 
I, don't, I found it to be touching myself. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, like, I don't the, know. It, it again, hit me in a fucking weird way. <laughs> it did. It's just it's, it's a weird. You um, never know when your emotions will get the best of you, King. And cool. But it's absolutely, he's absolutely you. correct because it's a weird thing with this movie where, like, again, you have this weird turn by Lysol and you're going through the motions in the third act, but then it has a touching moment like that with, with Gengisu, you know, defeating the zombies and never leaving his place, and this is his place. And then you have Charlie and Joss and Joseph going off on one of the boats. We know now that Charlie's been bit, and she's not indigenous, so you know she's not going to make it. But she's also in the process of giving birth to, to her child. So this movie kind of hits you. You know, it kind of comes out of nowhere and hits you with the really kind of emotional aspect of it of her giving birth to her kid and, and having that one kind of brief moment of really being a mom and being happy to have your kid and you want to hold it for a second. But then that realization comes over her face of you got to take it back. You got to, you got to take the baby away from me. Like I'm dying and I'm going to turn. And to me, that was kind of a a crushing moment to know that she had spent all this time pregnant, finally gave birth and she's never going to be able to be a mom. Because he's unfortunately the succumbing game, to this virus. Emotional. But she, she is a mom. Yeah, you know, she is a mother. Yeah. She gives birth to that child. You know, she brings life yeah. to this world or to, yeah. to that world that they are in. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I kind of felt like it was telegraphs, you know, seen a mile away well, that uh, she was definitely <laughs> yeah, going to well, give yeah. birth and well. she was going to die, you know. Uh, I was just wondering well, if they were if they were just teasing us with the baby eating its way out from her. No, That's what no. I was wondering. I was wondering if they were going to like save up for some real fucking crazy sequence in which we suddenly watch this little fucking fetus or this little infant fucking you know munch his way out of mommy's belly and we get zombie baby. Oh, I'm yeah, luckily they. They didn't go the Dawn of the Dead 2004 route and give us a zombie baby. So for that, I was kind of happy, you know, that they just they gave us a, a regular child. I mean, who knows? Maybe, you know, in Blood Quantum 2, that baby is a, a Zed, and they had to put it down. I mean, who knows? But uh, no, it's a, a very kind of – it yeah, could be. The mother Ooh, was no bit way. while he was still – Yeah. Well, I, forget, was, I think it was a girl while she was still in her. I mean, that, that kid yeah. could have dead – DNA in it, and I mean, who knows? Maybe this is the future leader of the Zed Army, or maybe she leads Ooh, humanity man. to its salvation. That could be it. But could be Well, you know, but it, it it just it ends in that way where it has to be Joseph that that shoots uh, Charlie and killing her before she can have a chance to turn. And then just having that moment of you see Joss, you know, piloting the boat onto a different part of land and Joseph just having his head on her stomach, you know, and she's gone. And I thought that was handled really well, you know, for some reason. I don't know, just the shot of her boots and then going up to Joseph with his head on her belly, you know. To end the movie that way, I was like, wow, this movie just wasn't that great, but it ends on such a weird kind of emotional punch that I wasn't expecting, you know, kind of I was – you know, really kind of enjoyed the fact that they did that, you know, because it was an uneven, not that great of a movie, but then it ends with that, which I thought was great. You know, well, gives you that ended, really you know, fucking unhappy ending. Well, I, you could really take it, too, and say, you know, this was a movie uh, of, of failed fathers and failed sons and children. And this, this one woman, Joss, she has a chance at redemption for all of them by just creating a child who doesn't fail. 
Mm-hmm. Fantastic. You know, and what could be, I mean, I don't know. I didn't see anything about a blood quantum too, you know, but who knows? We, we don't know. You know maybe, maybe Shudder will pick it up and make it an original if enough people watch it. We did. You know, <laughs> blood quantum too. Quantum harder. <laughs> yeah. More blood, more quantum. Part two. Two blood, blood quantum. two quantum. Vengeance. <laughs> two quantum. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah. Quantum drift. Blood quantum three. <laughs> it could be any any number of ways, but so anyway, that was Blood Quantum from 2019. Blood Quantum Again, so possibilities are endless for Fast and Furious and Blood Quantum uh, crossover. I mean, if they're going to cross over with Jurassic Park, maybe they can cross over Blood Quantum too. Have Zeds running against the cars. It's all about family. And while he's right still down. alive, bro, get get some missing in action in there too. You know, let, let's get Chuck <laughs> Norris, you know, involved in the mission, uh, the Mission Impossible, in the uh, Fast and the Furious franchise while we still can. Chuck, you never Norris. know. He might show up. I mean, they have two more, so they might show up. You know, never say never when it comes to those movies. I mean, they had Kurt Russell; he showed up for a couple of them, so they might have the Chuck Russell. I mean, uh, Chuck Norris in the next one. But uh, anyway. So, yeah, that was Blood Quantum. Uh, next week, uh, the pick returns to mine. Uh, <clears throat> so I could, I, I What's going to be, I, to, I had a couple things I wanted to go with. I decided I wanted to go with one that we may have covered many, 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 many moons ago on the show, but I couldn't think if we did. So we're going to cover it next week. 1982, Jack Shoulder, starring Jack Palance, uh, Dwight Schultz from A-Team, Donald Pleasance, uh, Martin Landau, Alone in the Dark. The slasher set in 82, right before the, the golden era collapsed. Um, I found a, a free link on YouTube that you can watch because you can't really buy it anywhere. But the quality that I found on, on this copy that I just sent you in the group chat is fucking Blu-ray quality. So we get to see Donald Pleasance play the opposite of Dr. I'm going to make a statement here. Um, <clears throat> I do not believe uh, that we covered this for the show. But we did. Okay. Uh, I, what's that? What you say we did, King? I mean, Ghoul? Yeah. yeah I couldn't yeah, find yeah, it in yeah, the episode guide, so. Um, may yeah. I, but I, what I was going, what I was going to say, is that I know as a fact, I know as a fact, a million years ago, Ghoul, that we watched this together at your place. Oh, maybe that's what I'm remembering. That. Maybe oh. That's what it okay. is. Well, I might be connecting the fact that I watched it with needing to watch it for the show because I don't know if it would be something I would watch otherwise. Yeah, but, no. Um, I don't recall doing this on the show, but I know as a fact that we watched this together like 100 years ago, like without question. Okay. I, I could not remember myself us covering it. I remember watching it, you know, during our early run, and maybe that's probably what I'm thinking of is that we were going to cover it, and then we just never did. But uh, either way, I, I put the link on our group chat. You can watch it for free on YouTube. Fantastic quality. And like I said, you get to see how Donald the, Pleasance in something else than Dr. Loomis. This is how the brain trust that is talking terror works. See how fucking thoughtful and it's communicative a brain we are? Trust. I think I added a brain trust. Well, but I'm not sure. We trust the brain. But, well, anyway. Fucking mind map. So, yeah. So uh, all of one brain. That'll be for join us week, back yeah. here along the dark next week yeah. for this this uh, this cinematic masterpiece uh, of horror theater. No. 
uh, next week on uh, the Talking Terror program. And on that note, like I'm out of here, and I will see you all oh, next time. We'll see you back here next week, Dean, for Along the Dark. Like I said, I just wanted to talk about Donald Pleasance again in something other than a Dr. Loomis role. And plus, we've got Jack, fucking Jack Palance and Martin Landau and, and you know, uh, Dwight Schultz from 18. So it's a fun one. I mean, it's, it's not blood quantum, guys. But I think we'll, we'll, we'll make it and talk about it next week, a, a classic from the 80s flasher. All right, so do you have any uh, closing remarks as we close up the episode? Cool. Uh, again, man, you know, anybody uh, out there, if you're, if you're joining later, if you didn't listen to the whole show, if, you had to, if there's some kind of breakdown or something, but please, again, Mahoning Drive-In. Save the Mahoning Drive-In. Find them on Twitter. Find them on Facebook. Find them on Instagram. Mahoning Drive-In. Mahoning, Pennsylvania. We don't want to lose our beloved drive-in, so please, 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 please uh, check them out and give them whatever kind of support you guys can. Thank you, and... Stay scared. And as for me, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, saying thank you so much for listening to this uh, tonight's episode. As I said, we'll be back here next week with 1982's Alone in the Dark. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies. Save the Mahonig. Hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Odorous. Until next week, meet. As the rule says, stay scared, people. Stay scared.